Welcome to the Get Good at Presenting podcast with Lee Jackson. Hi, welcome to Get Good at Presenting. On today's episode, I've got with me a very special guest because he is an award-winning speaker. I've got the brilliant Leon Bamforth. Hi, Leon. Hi, Lee. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Nice to see you again. Um, so, Leon, uh, we met, I think, a couple of years ago. I, w- I was delivering a course in the NHS on presentation skills, and you got on that course. And then after that, you started to do speaking. Yeah. I sat at my desk at, at work. I worked in the, the hospital in Leeds at the time. And, uh, yeah, I came across a free course that I could could go on, and uh, it was... a. Uh, um, it seemed kind of. It seemed like I could get a free day off work, which was true. Uh, so, so I went. I went along to that course and was just blown away. Really, it was just something I'd never considered before. The idea of professional speaking and, and all the effort yeah. that actually went into yeah. to being a speaker. Just, just to clarify for listeners, I haven't invited Leon on here to tell you how good I am or anything. It was just <laughs> like a, I just thought it's an interesting story because he has won uh, a big award just a few weeks ago. So. So you, so you came on my, cause I do like some open courses a year, uh, for this big hospital trust. And so it's available to anybody mm-hmm. and you just got yourself on there. And then that world of speaking opened up to you. And then a few weeks ago, what were you awarded with? What did you win? So I won the speaker factor of the year award for the professional speaking association. Well, so you are the speaker of the year. They call it speaker factor, I guess, kind of an X factor kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Speaker factor, speaker of the year in the in the UK and Ireland. So that's a pretty big deal. So, so Leon, why don't you tell me a little bit about the kind of journey from understanding that you can, you know, from public speaking into professional speaking into kind of competition speaking, really. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that journey? I went along to the to the PSA for a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so Sharon Amesu, she did. A, she was the 2016 Speaker Factor winner. And um, that's right, excellent speaker. Yeah. Excellent speaker. She did a really good job at, at deconstructing her speech. And I'm watching that and thinking, I'm going to win that. So wow. In fact, I, I rang up my little sister when after it won. On um, I came off the stage and uh, obviously pretty elated. Rang my little sister in, in Spain and said, Oh, I've, I've won it. I've won the competition, and she said, "Well, you did tell me you would." <laughs> All right, so you were that. Reminded me of a conversation two years ago. Yeah, so you were that sure that you uh, you really really wanted to go for it because not many people have that surety. So that you you know, I'd like to be on a stage, I'd like to speak a little bit, but you you really did say, "I really want to go for that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I um, I mean, I wasn't sure I'd win it, obviously, because I knew, and there was some pretty tough competition I was up against, but I knew I was going to give it everything. Yeah, everything I could to win it. So, explain to people listening on the podcast and how did you become the speaker factor, speaker of the year? Tell what what did you learn? What presentation skills did you actually learn to get to that that high level of being on a main stage in front of two hundred other professional speakers, which is which is quite a quite a tough crowd, right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Actually, they're very nice, I think. But but for your own anxiety, it yeah. feels like a tough crowd. Yeah. Right? I knew that every every mistake that I made would be analysed and overanalyzed because yeah. obviously the people doing it for years and years. So I think um, it it really obviously resonated with me the speaking from your course. At the end of the day, you you said, "Oh, if you take two or three things from this, it'll be good, mate." And because I'd been that blown away by it, I'd written that many notes. Um, 
And also, on my next speech, I took 23 things. 23 bits 20, of feedback. 23 bits of feedback that I, you know, all the way from how I prepare, how I deliver, oh. how I use slides, uh, bullet points were taken out back and shot. So, so the, um, just, just so the listeners understand, uh, the speaker factor is actually just a five minute speech, right? Yeah. So you're not there for an hour and a half. You're just learning to craft what is the most difficult kind of speech, and that's a short speech. Yeah. So it's only five minutes. So you took 23 bits well, of information back. So not for speaker factors. So that was the next. So I, had a, I was doing a lecture for a, someone oh, helping I see. out well, a friend yeah, at yeah, university. Yeah, yeah. And so presenting um, something there. And I had that in. In fact, that was probably what sparked me doing the, the course in the first place, uh, to be right. honest. Um, I thought maybe I could learn a few pointers. So, but no, I, so I took 23 things from that and then I've just built it and built it and just kind of come a little bit obsessed, I'll be honest, with trying to uh, just hone the skill. And then obviously as you go to PSA, you get expert after expert in, in loads of different things and they'll tell you, you can try this, this worked for me, just try that. And each time I can just push myself a little bit higher, a little bit better and just yeah. try a little bit more. And, and really, so when it came to the speaker factor speech, so I knew that I wanted to tell a story that was that meant something to me. But I also knew I had to tell a story that meant something to the audience. So I see. I knew, for example, that I wanted to move the audience. And so I told I mean, quite a, a personal story to me. Um, I guess I was quite vulnerable in telling a story about when, when my son almost died in hospital. So I knew I wanted to tell that story the thing that I struggled with for about a year was how on earth do I tell a story about a child that's almost about to die and not just leave everyone depressed? And so I really struggled with that. Yeah, um, yeah. so in, 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 the, in speaking, we, we, we talk a lot about light and shade. Yeah. You know, and if we're not careful, like you can be all shade <laughs> or you can be all light, you know, yeah. and another, none of those are actually good. Yeah, I think that if you have a speaker who's so hyper and so happy, it's actually quite a bit off-putting. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That you want to know they must have a bad day occasionally, you know. And if if you have a speaker who is, you know, who's talking about the tough times, but then just really goes deep and dark, then that's it. So the the key is to get the light and the shade, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. You, so you learn that process of, I guess, lightening up what was quite a difficult subject. Then, yeah. Um. So I just keep on bouncing ideas off different people. So um, I went across and saw Ricky once of it was over in the northeast. Um, That's Ricky Arundel. Arundel, uh, yeah, she's and she and she. Yeah. I asked that question, and she specifically said, "Make sure they go. You know, when they go deep, you have got to bring them up really quickly." You, okay. So, so I, I was trying to find that thing where so there's a bit of humour at the start of my speech. Um, I had the you know the, the introduction, then my main. Story. You've only really got in five minutes. You've got time to make one point. You've got one thing that everything has to tie together. So I had the, my introduction, which set it up and was a bit light-hearted. My story, which was very real and very uh, tough time for me. And then the ending, the yeah, the close of the speech. So you have the, this this structure of story, point, example. So the story are the point, and that's when I try to have a little bit of humour at that point to bring them out, and then talk. You know, well, how is this relevant for you? Why do you, why do you care about this? Yeah, sad yeah. story I've just told you. 
Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, a small, a short speech is always very difficult to do, like we've said, and, and, and like I've mentioned several times, I'm sure, on this podcast. But the, do, now you've done longer talks because you've gone out now and spoken to various speaking, you know, like other people, other speaking clubs like the PSA mm-hmm. and stuff, about how you crafted a five-minute speech. Now you've had space. Does it feel different doing like a 45-minute than it does doing a five-minute? Do you feel you've got the more breathing room now? Because you can't plan it in the same detail, can you? As a you, no, you absolutely can't. And so one of the concepts has really helped, which was from your original training back when, is you you talked about chunks. Make sure you're chunking things up. Yeah. And so for my five minutes, I had three chunks. Yeah, you know, my introduction, my story, and then closing. Oh, I see. It. Yeah. And really, when I'm doing longer speeches, it's really just that. I'm really I'm just finding chunks. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So I've got, um, yeah. you know, a chunk about, you know, the, the obviously introducing it and how I got into speaking and talk a little bit about what we've talked about today and mm. talk about, for example, I might talk about the speech itself and and how that's, you know, the, the structure of that. So yeah. just just using those chunk, chunks kind of takes the pressure off, actually, in terms of, yeah. and also make, allows me to be really flexible to the audience as well because if I've run over on one thing, I can just drop I've got a full chunk I can just get rid of. I've got other things I can bring in so I can be adaptable to the audience. Yeah, so just in case people don't know that, so the idea of chunks, I get people to say, stop thinking, if you've got an hour's presentation to do, then stop thinking of a presentation as a complete unit so that, you know, and, and on post-it notes or cards or something, post-it notes work quite well. Post-it notes with a marker pen, just chunk it up. So it's, it's a three-minute chunk of this, then a three-minute video, then three minutes of stats and data, and then three-minute story, and then three-minute discussion. Whatever it happens to be, you just chunk it up into that way. So I'm, I'm glad that that worked because I because I always thought that when I realised that and when I realised that my talks were chunks of stuff that I linked together, then I felt that it reduced my anxiety. It reduced the pressure on me, I think, and it was like, oh, well, I'm just bringing a bag full of chunks that I'll work together. Mm. And obviously there's more to it than that. But uh, I'm, glad that, <laughs> I'm glad that that worked. And maybe some of the listeners might understand and might take the pressure off because I was coaching someone this week and they they had, you know, I've got, the words that she used was, I've got a big presentation next week. Mm. A big presentation. So those words were like, I've got this like monolith big chunk of stone, big presentation to do. And once, I, once she, she was on my day and once we, we di- dissected that, she was able to go, oh, actually, it is only three-minute chunks of stuff that I already know. Yeah. And with a good introduction and linked well and that kind of thing. So Yeah. But, you, could, oh, you could almost see her relaxed, you know yeah, what I mean? When that, I, and that, so that's, it's useful, but it's also useful the other way in terms of making sure you make it interesting. So if you've got three-minute chunks or five-minute chunks, I see. everything has to have a point and you're moving it forward. You don't all of a sudden, you know, you're not telling a 20-minute monologue of when you went to the shops and bought a, a packet of uh, crisps. You, you're splitting it up and making sure, okay, you know, this whole idea of story point example. So you've got an opening for your chunk, you've got a point for your chunk, and then how does that relate to you? And so I think as well it... it it helps me be more interesting and helps me again answer that question of what's in it for you. It kind of, yeah, you can take each chunk as a thing. So that's a nice, it's a story point 
And then, what you say? Example. Example. Yeah, so you make, so the story is like a, a launch pad to something. Then you make the point of the story in case people missed it. You know, some people tell stories and just let them hang, but most audiences need you to unpack something, you know. Mm. And then you then, you know, use the, what did that mean for you? You know, how did you unpack that in your life? Because when your son was in hospital and you weren't sure whether he was going to live or die, how did that affect your life? And we were talking earlier... And one of the ways I remember from your talk, and you mentioned it earlier when, before we were ch- talking now, is that actually is the way you, you, you've chosen not to waste time on social media anymore. Yeah, exactly. So that's been a direct result yeah, of, yeah. I guess, what the values in your life changing a little bit, the priorities maybe? Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. So in my 20s, I read a lot of books, you know, fiction yeah. books. So that's not yeah, necessarily yeah. a bad yeah, thing. Yeah. Of course not. But to the... To the extent that I took it, it was a bad thing because it, it basically meant I couldn't, I, did, I wasn't achieving other stuff. I was just reading a lot of books. Um, yeah. And, and you put up, yeah, you put up with stuff. And, and so that it was a really defining moment for me being hostile and, and making me realize actually I've got a few decades to make a mark on this planet and to, re- and to help other people and to, and to be of value. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to waste it anymore. I'm I'm going to make a difference. That was a that's a big thing to to do, isn't it? And a uh, big thing to remember because most people just literally, you know, like people talk about, um, you know, I've got I do lots of things in my life, various things, but I've never I've never understood the the whole concept of having a pastime. So the a pastime is somewhere where you you waste time doing something. I'm yeah, always like, yeah. I'd rather do some, you know, sort of if it's basketball, I'll watch a bit because I want to. Or I'll go and play a bit of basketball. I would never want something just to waste time. I've never really done yeah, that. Exactly. And and so the funny thing is, so the introdu- introduction to my speaker factor speech is me wasting time. So when I was 15, I was in a, a French mock exam. The poor teacher came in and was just frustrated with us because we were messing about and, you know, not head down. We were only a few, I mean, you'll resonate for you, Lee. We were only a few uh, weeks away or couple of months away from our uh, main GCSE <laughs> exams yeah and um, we just weren't taking it seriously and so she got really frustrated uh, and did this whole thing yeah. of you're wasting yeah. time in your exam and at the time I found that hilarious because <laughs> you were 15 because <laughs> yeah. I was 15 yeah, yeah, and, yeah. of course yeah yeah but then over time you start to think yeah mm. yeah 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 you're right because when I do motivational talks in schools just kind of they bring me in often pre-exam so yeah recording this on at the beginning of March and um yeah I'm, I'm getting emails and phone calls now that are saying because they they want me to come in now in April you know just before or just after Easter because they want me to come in and basically help them to understand you need to crack on now yeah you know you need to put some work in yeah so I understand yeah so you were yes yeah, so you remember that from when you were 15 and then you it's funny things to remember, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. And then you put that, even in this little five-minute talk, you put that little story of you, you know, wasting time when you're 15, and that's relevant now, you know, in your middle age or whatever. I mean, I think I remembered it because she was, it was such an exasperating moment for that <laughs> poor teacher. So, yeah, it is, but it's funny, like you say, it's funny things you remember and funny things come back into your mind and you yeah. think, yeah, I want, what could I have achieved if I'd... Yeah. Actually, taking that advice to heart back then. So, so I guess one of the questions that people will have for you is, how did you get it down to five minutes? 
So you, you, you chose the story of, of the teacher, you chose the story about your son, but how did you get rid of, I guess, another 20 minutes worth of stuff? So what was the process of you getting rid of other stuff? So, and for me, this is really, this is the strength of the PSA. And this, so it's not actually about winning the speaker factor. It's about how do you yeah. use the PSA? Okay. Because you've got some people that have been doing this for years and can just help to push and up your game. So um, the summer before the speaker factor, I came to Udinton and said, Lee, I've got some ideas. Um, would you mind helping me out a little bit? And so, and so gone and performed it at Toastmasters, the, the speech that I thought I was going to give. And then I sent it to you. And so you went through and you gave me a little bit of advice for that, which just really helped to, to hone it down and to, right. to focus it. And then as well, after I won the regional, the then president of Yorkshire PSA, yeah. Nathan Littleton, also just went over and helped me with the script and helped me just to Great. really focus it on that one concept, that one thing of wasting yeah. time. Yeah. So um, I think... Which I think is why people people book me as a presentation coach because you, you sometimes need an external voice, don't you? you? Do, yeah, yeah. Because you're way too close. Yeah. You're way too close to your story, and particularly when it's a it's a moving story, like your son's about to die and you're watching a machine in the hospital. Yeah. Because your whole talk is about the bleep of the machine, beep, yeah, beep, yeah. all that stuff. So, so, so that's that's why having some external voices helped you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and and I think having that the thing of what's in it for me as well really helped. Yeah. Yeah. So because obviously in that story, you know, that was a, a one moment or one week, I guess I'd describe yeah. in a six week experience. And, the, you know, I, I could have literally taken yeah. the whole time telling every story and every different part of that. But intention is about, well, what, what do I want to say? What is it that I want to get across? And then what helps me tell that story? Yeah. What helped, you know, what helps to make that point emotional? You know, I could have come on and said, um, everyone, Stop wasting time. You're wasting time on TV. You're wasting time on social media. Just stop it, guys. Yeah. And then got back down. And that would have probably been the old me. Yeah, let me okay. give you some advice, son. Let me see, you know, that, that yeah, patronising, yeah, yeah. it's all about me thing and, and me showing how clever I am. Yeah. Um, whereas the new version that you start to learn is actually, if anything, it's it's a great partnership, whereas it, this has to be something that means something to you. So how do we work to get, how do I give you something that, that is impactful to you and means something to you. Yeah, so I guess that's that's the way I kind so of you, put it down. Because I've heard you talk three or four times, I guess, you know, performed probably three or four times and then also seen it in different contexts. But I think, I think what we're trying to get at here is that the power of the story, you tell the story alone and the story almost does the teaching for you. Yeah. So that people go, oh, yeah, I, I do waste a lot of time. Rather than you going, you should, and you in our, and and having yeah. seven bullet points which say, here's the reasons why you're wasting time. The yeah. story itself comes alive, and that's the power of story, isn't it? That a story stands on its own sometimes, and you stop. And sometimes a story doesn't need a reflection. I mean, I've I've told some stories, or I've seen other speakers tell stories, and then you can just hear this silence sort of mm. come over the room. And if they're a good enough speaker, they just pause at that point, just let the penny drop. I do it in schools a little bit, you know, just let the penny drop and then you move on <laughs> quietly and it almost, you don't need to say much else, which you can't in five minutes because you can't say a lot in five minutes. But interestingly, that was the feedback from the regionals to the to the semifinals. Yeah. The biggest thing was, because obviously you've got five minutes you've, and you've got to have it in five minutes and if you go over five minutes, 
they take you out back and shoot you. <laughs> Which is harsh, yeah. but it's a really good example for everyone else that you should never go over as a speaker. Yeah. So, you know. You get marked down and or disqualified, I guess. If you kept yeah, you going on it for seven minutes long, you would, you would be out, yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and, okay. and actually, that's a lesson for you for speaking as well, isn't it? You can't just go yeah. over it and just because you think it's, again, this is about you, just because you're thinking this is gold, your client's thinking or your, your audience thinking, well, why have you just talked to a lunch break and, and everything else? Yeah. But uh, no, so the pausing point was what I was told. So what I didn't do is allow people, you know, I'll tell a, a story that means a lot to me and then I just rattled straight on after of, oh, so, so James in hospital and James wasn't very well. But rather than just ha- allowing them that, time just to yeah. think that through and again in terms of the material I actually specifically took material out so I could add pauses in wow so the power of the pause is so much that you remove material so you remove blah 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 to get the bigger pause yeah yeah, yeah that's and, a good point yeah. and some things that I really wanted in as well you know I really there's some <laughs> stuff that I really liked that I had to get rid of because it, it didn't focus in it wasn't close enough to the central point and I needed the, the audience to mm. have that time just to... Yeah, which is what happens a lot. So when people do presentations, they might rehearse it at home. I mean, I'm not a, a massive fan of over-rehearsing. I think over-rehearsing is terrible. But you can rehearse little bits of it and you can work it out and some people time it. And, I, and people have come to me and they've, come, they've been given half an hour on a, on a, in a programme, in a conference. So they've been at home, sat in their bedroom or sat in their office or in the car, timed it to 29 minutes and 53 seconds and they've gone to a conference and it gets laughs and they get heckled and they start two minutes late and so they all fall apart because it shouldn't it shouldn't you've got to allow some space for the audience reactions yeah comedians have to leave space for laughter hopefully they'll make people laugh and so you've got (laughs) if you make people laugh you've got to you've got to create space for it same thing with pauses and everything else yeah, you, so a half an hour talk, you should probably prepare twenty minutes, and if 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 you need to, do a Q and A or something at the end to fill the time. But yeah. no one's ever complained, in my experience, no one's ever complained if someone did less than was on the program because you got a coffee earlier or you do a Q and A or something happens, and the organisers love you if you either stick to time or even if you finish a couple of minutes early. Sometimes I set my clock like three minutes fast. So I might I might finish and then I've given them a three minute buffer mm. and the event organizers are happy as Larry with an extra three minutes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's that thing of of being more aware of them than it's not just about your speech, but thinking well how's how's my speech impacting the event organizer or the booker or yeah. the yeah. the audience and and taking that into account actually is one of the things I've learned. It's a really interesting different way of looking mm. at it. Okay, so what other little tidbits of information would you give? Two other speakers who are listening to this now, you know, what little tiny nuggets did you learn along that along that journey of becoming the, the champion speaker? I mean, the, the problem with the tiny nuggets, Lee, is as I come back to this 23 <laughs> items, and then I've just gone away recently and gone back to my notes that, that I had of yours and went through of how many things I've now brought in. I got to 61. Never. But yeah, yeah, 61 items. And and so really, I think there are some things that, that make a massive difference. The what's in it for me concept, the chunking yeah. concept. Um the tell your own stories concept and make it make it real to you. Yeah. Not like you're telling off the audience, but actually you're talking with the audience. I think that was yeah. a big thing for me that I needed to learn. But then the the fun thing for me has been this journey of 
of finding out these little nuggets to, to add in and, and add in. Definitely moving the audience is a, obviously a big one for me. I learn about yeah. make make sure you're shifting the energy in the room, yeah. so you're not just all happy, you're not just all sad. And you know, I, th- I think the the great thing of the PSA is that people come round and they share their expertise, and you can learn from each each person. You can learn a bit more and become a bit better and a bit better. And for me, that's what it's all about. It's always about the thing of not wasting time, yeah. being that bit better, applying, trying things out what work for you as well, because what works for them might not work for yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so, so I think we've probably we've probably mentioned it loads of times on the previous podcast, but as the Americans say, you know, it's all about stage time. It is. It, so, for my, you've got to be on your feet, right, to learn. You've got to be on your feet. No, absolutely. So, so for my speaker factor win, um, I remember there's a time in August where I'd listened to someone else talking about the guy that comes up with stage time, stage time, stage time, Darren Lacroix. Darren Lacroix, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was listening to one of his programs, and, and he said. His winning speech he gave at 17 different audiences. The what? same speech again and again and again. Yeah. And I just remember feeling completely overwhelmed, completely thinking, I'm, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's middle of August. I'm, I'm giving this thing in um, September for the regionals. I've, there's no way I can do that. And I just remember observing that panic, accepting that panic. You're right. You, know, you, you can't do that. Yeah. And then saying, but what can I do? I ended up, giving it in front of 10 different audiences. Wow, in the space of, what, a month or something? In the space of about six weeks. It's a, wow. Well, no, so that includes, to be fair, that includes the regional semi-finals and finals themselves. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. outside of that seven... So seven weeks. externals and three as part of the competition. Yeah, and... Wow. Um, Over the summer, that's quite impressive. Well, so <laughs> I went and joined Toastmasters, so I could do it there. I did a couple of different Toastmasters. Amusingly, so Toastmasters, you, you win the... You can win the speech of the night, you know, the speaker That's of the, right. the night. Yeah. On the Monday before I did my regional, I went up against a, another speaker, didn't win the speaker of the night against two people. Okay. <laughs> me, yeah. me and someone else. Yeah. So it's funny, different audiences like different things sometimes. Of course, yeah. But yeah, so that I think that 10 times, doing that to 10 different audiences and just getting that feedback and just each time yeah. just lifting it a bit higher and a bit higher and a bit higher... Mm. Um, you really helped me with the the introduction. It, you, know, you, you said specifically it needs to be bigger, Leon, because I'd started out with some quotes and started out with some ideas that I liked. But then in the end, I took that story and and made it, you know, mm. quite an impactful. Some and some I, people. I can't, I can't remember saying any of this to you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was happy to help. That's fine. Yeah, because no. uh, yeah, because an intro. Uh, the problem with an intro is like because even in the final or in the heats, you were one of thirteen competitors. I think in yeah. the heats. And in the finals, you're one of six or whatever. So, you know, and I was hosting both of those. Yeah. Um, so it was, in order to stand out, your introduction has to be big. So if yeah. you want to stand out in a conference, then your introduction needs to be big and bold and basically just so people go, oh, all right, I might listen now. So even that, just 10 seconds introduction can make a big difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not everyone liked my, my introduction, interestingly. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's because I shout at the audience. Which is yeah. not something I typically do for a speech, no. but not. But you are acting. You are in a story when you're shouting. You're not. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not. You're sh- not shouting at them. Yeah, yeah. It's part of a story which then gets unfolded, doesn't yeah. it? Which well, makes it's, sense. Yeah. It's the teacher who was shouting at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I but but yeah. So that was. I mean, it's just been a blast. It's been such a fun journey, and all of a sudden, um, just my sights mm. have just opened up to this. Yeah. This really, uh, just really fun and exciting career option and just so what's what's the future now then now that you are 
the UK and Ireland's speaker factor speaking champion. What, what's the future well, for so you? Well, so as you um, as you mentioned at the start, obviously I get stopped all the time on the streets. You know, just can't walk past anyone without them recognising me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's because you've been on Crime Watch. Could been on, yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. to do with Speaker Factor. <laughs> no, so I think the way that I won Speaker Factor was by not getting overwhelmed, but by just chipping away and just doing what I can and just keep on chipping away at doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and just keep on, yeah. on improving it. Allow yourself to be terrible at the start, it's fine. As long as you're then getting that professional advice and professional coaching and to, to help you uh, improve. And so that's really what I'm doing with my career now. I've got a direction. Yeah. Where So I, at the moment, I'm a business analyst. I go into businesses, and I really enjoy that, helping them yeah. helping them reorganise and reconfigure the way that they work to, to be better at what they do. And so for the speaking, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about communication because as a software developer way back when, I noticed I was developing software for people and giving it to them and then realise actually you didn't need software. What you needed to do was to learn to talk to someone else. Okay, yeah. Which is yeah. ironic for a techie observing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I had this... T- so uh, maybe you'll develop speaking and communication coaching and stuff as so, part of so that's the, the future, yeah. Yeah, so that's the idea that I've got a direction, and the direction is to be a, a professional speaker, and I'm just chipping away at, at that direction, really. And, and I know that if I just keep on at that... And then eventually I get where I want to go. So it's not giving you that Brilliant. pressure, but as long as I keep on, mm. you know, rather than watching TV, if I'm checking, well, how can I yeah, up my yeah. game? And, you know, <laughs> so it's, so that's, that's my plan anyway. So it's really a lot good. of fun. I'm really excited. That's good. And, uh, and that's actually, it's good advice for someone, because I, I get lots of contacts and phone calls and people, I want to be a professional speaker. And, and actually it's, it's terrible advice to say, right, give up your job today yeah. and, and get on with it. You are better transitioning into something. If you're making a career change, you're better transitioning. Uh, I did that in the end. You know, I used to run a charity and then I went down to three days a week. I went out to four days a week and then three days a week. And on the other two days, I was developing this thing called professional speaking. And it was, you know, I spent a year not really knowing what I was doing, if I'm honest, but I used to have the time to not know what I was doing. And that was the first part of my journey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was nearly 11 years ago now. So, yeah, it's good to transition, I think. And then, obviously, you can still pay your mortgage while you're transitioning, well, which yeah, is helpful. As we were discussing before I um, before we started, I've, I've got five kids. So I can't... There's no way that I can just give up my job and just jump into this. But actually, I don't need to. No. I can just keep on chipping away as long as I've got the direction. Yeah. Um, because this is... So in reality, this is the first time I've come across something where I'm thinking, I'm going to do that in some aspect about my career for the rest of my rest of my career it's the first yeah. time I've had that you know this is wow. this is something I really want to do well that's so. brilliant so yeah so yeah we'll look out for you and uh, if people want to get in touch with you Leon how do they do that are you on LinkedIn or whatever so I'm on LinkedIn yeah uh, yeah so get in, cu- uh, get in touch on LinkedIn um, so it's Leon Bamforth that's B-A-M-F-O-R-T-H that's right and there's only two of us in the world is that right it's quite an obscure <laughs> name um, My name's a bit more common. There's a lot of Lee Jacksons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, well, so the great thing is, of you can also get me on my website, which is leonbanforth.com. Ah, great. You got that? I didn't know. I didn't ask because I didn't know you got it got to go in. So there's only great. two of us in the world, and I got there first. Well done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get leejackson.com. It's I think it's owned by someone who does um, 
restaurant reviews. Okay. <laughs> so it's a little bit random, yeah. Okay, yeah. so leonbamforth.com, that's great. And then people can get all of you there and then keep track of you and, and we'll see. I'm sure your future's very bright, Leon. And it's, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for chatting to us today. No, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Cheers now. Thanks for listening to the Get Good at Presenting podcast with your host, Lee Jackson. If you'd like to know more about Lee's work as a motivational keynote speaker and presentation coach, visit his website at leejackson.biz. That's leejackson.biz.